0: Welcome back to The Breakfast Show, guys. My name is Liam, and it is a pleasure to to still be with you this morning where we have one of our best of episodes. Uh, Moving on with the show, we're going to jump straight into the next encounter with God, continuing on uh, in in our Bible study. Um, This is the next day from from the previous one. And then after that, we're going to have a couple of question of the days.
1: and it's Encounter with God Time here on The Breakfast Show, Bible Study Time. Time for us to get into the study of the Scriptures. Mm-hmm. So we're going to, um, yeah, do some Bible study. We've got a great passage here from First Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1 and we're going to work our way through uh, this passage right here. Uh, let's go with verse 1 and 2.
2: Okay, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified.
1: Okay. This is different than my
2: version. I was like, what is this? This isn't for me. I was like, oh, wait, yes, it is. <laughs> just so <laughs> differently than what I normally read.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I was listening to it and uh, as you were reading, I was reading chapter 3 and verse 1. I'm thinking, wait a minute. No, that's very, 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 very different. <laughs> Wait,
2: was I reading chapter 2?
1: Chapter 2 is the one that we are supposed to read. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Chapter 3, unfortunately, is the chapter I prepared. So I can give you a good Bible study on chapter 3, okay. which actually has a lot of similar thoughts in it. Yeah, I
2: was going to say, I'm just skimming reading that. Why yes. don't you give us
1: the first two, chapters, okay. two, first two verses, verses of chapter 3?
2: Brilliant. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger and you still aren't ready.
1: Okay. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, the church in Corinth was a mess. Yeah. And Paul doesn't really hold back on it. The next verse is even stronger. But there's an important lesson here. Paul founds this church in Corinth and primarily it is a Gentile church. Mm-hmm. And so, as he says in chapter 2, he goes there and he doesn't come with, you know, fancy arguments or, you know, deep wisdom, uh, anything like that. He's just preaching Christ and him crucified. That's what he says. I just determined to preach Christ and him crucified. And so, this is a very, very different approach to the approach that he makes in Athens, Mm -hmm. where he's dealing with, you know, the educated elite. Very very wise people in Corinth. He's dealing with traders, and well, it was basically a trading city. It was kind of like the ancient world's Singapore, um, and so you know he's dealing with a trading city. He is um, you know dealing with the average person, the average you know Greek person off the street, so to speak. And in being a Gentile church, the other thing is that is important is that. He's dealing with people who do not have a background in the understanding of Scripture.
3: Mm.
1: So not only is it different in the way that, and this is interesting because you've got Paul reaches out to the Jewish people in the book of Hebrews in a vastly different way than what he reaches out to the Greek people in Corinth Mm -hmm. or the educated elite in Athens. He reaches each one of those three groups in a very different, very different way. And so, when you read the book of Hebrews, he's not giving them milk. Yeah, it's not light stuff. Mm-hmm. You read First Corinthians, and it is remarkably straightforward, simple, and to the point. It's not like Romans, yeah. <laughs> right? Romans, you had he's reaching out to the Jewish diaspora, and he's going deep. Uh-huh. In, uh huh. In uh, in in Corinthians he's speaking more simply, particularly First Corinthians, he's probably speaking more simply than anywhere else uh, Paul speaks anywhere in the Bible
3: mm.
1: because these people are just not ready for it. Yeah, And so there's a lesson there for us. Okay, so then uh, he preaches Christ and Christ crucified and people accept Jesus Christ and they become a part of God's church. Does that then mean that we're all good? They're all good. Everybody's all good. We sit back, we relax, we now know the gospel message and we don't really need to know anymore.
2: No, man.
1: (laughs) You know, there are some Christians who are like that. It's just like, love Jesus and give your life to Him. What else would you do?
2: Mm. That's true. Yeah, I think in my head I'm like, yeah, but it's like any person I know. Like pick any person, you, like Liam, any of my friends or family, there's so much that I don't know about them. Uh huh. Even my family members and if who you, I've grown up with.
1: That's right. And if you value them, yeah, you want to know, right? Exactly.
2: You keep asking questions, like, "Hey, da, da, da. like, there are people that for sure know more about my brother than I do, for sure, because I've done life with them in different parts. Why would God, who is infinitely bigger than us, have less to know? Yeah,
1: like, <laughs> it's yeah." <laughs>
3: You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
1: Somebody who takes the attitude of, I love Jesus and I've given my life to him, that's all there is to do, I don't need to spend time you know, studying the Bible and learning more, uh, my education is over, I have I understand the plan of salvation that's all I need to know. What that does is it speaks to their level of commitment to God and their love for God do they have enough love for God to actually care about God? Because if you care about somebody, you want to know everything that you can about them. Yeah. And if a person doesn't care about God, then they don't love God. And if a person doesn't love God, have they experienced, are they experiencing salvation?
2: And I would even say, can you, can you love someone that you don't know? Like I'm, I'm not sure it makes sense. You can know about something, right? Like I can know about the plan of salvation. And that's a really important thing, right? And, and if I'm giving my life to God, yeah, there's plan of salvation is going to be, be part of that. Oh, I see what Jesus has done for me. Wow, I see that I'm loved. I'm, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes with that. But I'm like, how can I say I love Jesus and then just never spend time with him? And how can I say I love Jesus and never spend time with the people he loves? Right? So, like, there's also a phocian, a focus on mission. I was like, I can't say this word. <laughs> um, because I I also argue people, so I've also heard people argue, it's like, oh, well, my faith is a very personal thing. I don't talk about it with people. And I understand that within reason, you know, like as you said, the way you can approach different people, like as Paul does, he's writing to this group, he might use this thinking or wording or whatever. So, okay, depending on the relationship, depends what. But I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean no one should ask you about it and you don't talk to anyone about it?
1: Yeah, that makes no sense at all. No.
2: And I've had probably a couple of friends and like I remember the first I sent her I kind of took a sec, like I didn't even, I didn't have a response because I was like actually, I don't know what to say to that like <laughs> <I
1: know>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Okay. Um I don't get it.
1: How does that but, work?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because then that was faith is only that that I believe there's nice and clear constraints. I believe this, maybe not that. Da, da, da. That's really not to do with I know this person.
1: No, that's right. Do you know what I mean? It's, like just, it's, it. just, it's just theory. It's yeah. just information. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's see what Paul has to say about this because, you know, he begins here. He says, "Like I didn't come to you with, you know, excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God. I determine not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Mm. And so that's where he starts. It's very simple. It's very basic. It's very straightforward. It is the plan of salvation, the plan of redemption. Uh, verse 3 and 4
2: Chapter 2, are we talking about now?
1: Yes Yeah. Okay.
2: Um, uh, I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling trembling, And my message and my preaching were very plain Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit I love this Uh-huh, verses. uh-huh mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you would not think that this was possible for Paul, Paul to do Paul, I know Paul must have been restraining himself with such incredible... <laughs> you know, power to be able to present in a way like this. But he recognized that it was necessary. Mm. And I've been in places where people's understanding of the Bible has been so basic that it's like, okay, you came prepared with all of this, all right, trim it down, trim it down, (laughs) trim it down. And, you know... Having used to being preach preaching to very biblical audiences here in Australia and being in a place where people had basic, well, they didn't own Bibles and they basically never seen a Bible in the modern, I think there was one Bible in the entire village uh, and to trim it down, was really quite challenging. I don't think I actually ever really trimmed it down to where I needed to be. (laughs) Paul seemed to do so when he got to Corinth. He was Uh, definitely successful there. I have
2: a question for you. So you obviously do evangelism. You're quite good at getting up in the front and telling all the things and it being very interesting. And what you were saying regarding Paul and the way he spoke to different groups of people depending on their need. Yes. Do you think we know our communities well enough to know what those needs could be?
1: The way to do that is to get out into the community to spend some time with Mm. the members of the community and the best way is to just get out and start knocking on doors. (laughs) Uh, If you do that, you will learn what your community is like. You will meet people, you will make friends, you will have an amazing experience and you will find out what the needs of the community are and what their interests are. Mm. And the key with that, of course, is to find out the interests of the seekers.
2: Yeah, 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 fully. Because there's
1: a difference between a seeker and just a community member. Mm -hmm. And one of the mistakes that we've made in the past is we have focused on community members rather than seekers. And so that's where we've put all of our research. And so we've gone to community members and say, okay, what would attract you to a church? And they're like, well, I would never go to a church, but if I was going to be attracted to one, it would be, uh, well, this, 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 and this. And then we've structured our churches around that. And so we've we've built we've actually structured churches that are focused on reaching people who will never be reached.
2: Yeah, they've made that clear. They're like, I yeah. don't want to come.
1: Yeah, but if I was, then this is what it would be. So then we go and we create a church mm-hmm. that would be. The church that...
2: Someone who doesn't want to church. Nobody wants to come to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody
1: who wants to, who does never want to come to church, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's been a major mistake. It's interesting when they've redone the research and they, rather than focusing on just the average person in the community, they've focused on um, only people who have just been baptized.
2: Oh, okay, yeah.
1: Because now it's like, okay, these people were in the community but they were seekers. Mm-hmm and uh, these are the people that, you know, a seeker is somebody who's actually looking for something that's somebody you can reach. You can't reach somebody who's not looking for anything because God gives everybody, you know, perfect freedom of choice. Mm. And it's like, okay, you're not going to reach everyone in the community. You're only going to reach seekers what a seeker's looking for.
2: And what have they said?
1: Well, okay, so here's, here's how it goes. Your community member who's not a seeker is basically looking for entertainment.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's what, that's, that's what it's all about. Um, you, they, they're looking for a church that is going to compete with the entertainment, so music, sports and um, TV, that they get on the weekend. Mm. A seeker, on the other hand, is not looking for that at all. And so we've built entertainment churches because our research has focused on community members rather than seekers. And the um yeah eighty seven percent of seekers were are out there who are out there are looking for a church with solid bible teaching. Mm-hmm. They're looking for doctrine you know it's a big difference, That's isn't
2: a it? big difference it's a
1: very, very big difference. and so if you're going to build a seeker friendly church, you need to have a church that is super friendly but that has also got solid bible teaching in it,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. I think we're still doing it through COVID. The actually. focus is
1: on Bible teaching rather than focuses on entertainment. Yeah. Because entertainment, you know, and, and there's, there's you know, music and, and you know, all these different things that we have in church that are entertaining. There's nothing wrong with that. We no. need that. That's a yeah. vital part of worship. I'm not saying that, you know, there are aspects of church that are not entertaining, but I am saying that we are missing the point when we make our churches entertainment focused. the
2: focus, yeah. I think what I was going to say, I think we saw that um, at the start of COVID particularly, I knew a bunch of people who they were looking for answers, right?
1: That's right. They, they were weren't like, looking for entertainment. No. They are looking for answers. Something's
2: happening in the world. We don't understand what it is. Can you explain it to us? And I was like, whoa. Yes,
1: yeah. absolutely. Let me open my Bible. <laughs> I'm glad you asked.
2: <laughs> Seeing as you brought it up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, where are we up to? uh us read verse for power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I love verse 5. Yes. I'm just gonna read verse go five. go verse 5 and then comment on it for us.
2: Okay, I did this so you would not trust in human wisdom but in the power of God. I just love that he's just like, I, I could try to do it myself but that's not what I want you to get from my message. I want you to see who God is and what God can do and what God's about. You know, it's, it's like something I've said to people before which I'm, by the way... Terrible at doing, I realise, I know. But I've said to people a couple of times, I want to invest with my whole heart and then make myself completely redundant. Like be here, do the message, do the work, whatever, and then be able to step back and be like, you met Jesus and now you you don't need me. Do you know what I mean?
1: Well, that's the ultimate work of a teacher, isn't
3: it? Yeah.
1: To make yourself redundant. Yeah. Every year. Yeah. I'm no longer needed in this space because now you know it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's all about redundancy. I've never actually thought of it that way. Yeah. A teacher is all about making themselves, you've got from now until the end of the year to make yourself redundant to this classroom. Yep.
2: And in some ways, parents are too. Yeah. You know, like we're teaching you to be able to be independent of me. I say we, I'm not a parent. Like, <laughs> but, but no, you're absolutely correct. In and as well, this is the the thing. greatest
1: achievement that we can then achieve is to make ourselves redundant. Mm. Ah, interesting way of looking to at do.
2: it. I've never
1: thought of it that way before. It's a really cool insight. We can listen to Carly Fletcher with "Not Ashamed." This is Breakfast Show with Minnie and Lyle.
3: May I never blush? May I never whisper? May I shout your name out loud? Jesus Christ is Lord. Is king of all I am not ashamed to tell the world I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ I am not ashamed to speak his name I am not ashamed to suffer for his kingdom. Not ashamed to die for me. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to save. Oh
1: That was Carly Fletcher with Not Ashamed. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Let's uh, go to verse 6. I'm keen to get to verse 6. I'm actually keen to see what your translation says in verse 6.
2: Okay, let me tell you. Yet when I am among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. All right. What did you say?
1: Mine says very similar. How be it? We speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world, that come to nothing. Hmm. Okay, so when we uh, put this together so far, let's see where we're up to. Paul's like, I came to you with milk. Yeah, <laughs> I came to you with nothing but the basic message of salvation hmm. so that you could grasp that. When I preach to people, like for instance he preaches to the Hebrew people like you've got in the book of Hebrews, I do speak with, hmm. I do go deep. You know, the, the Bible talks about wisdom here. It's talking about you know the depth that he goes to. We would talk about you know going deep rather than uh, uh, shallow. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, I'm just speaking to Hebrew people. I'm going to go deep. And we're going to have a deep theological discussion. So I have been having deep theological discussions with you. Just giving you the basics. Okay, is Paul then implying that it's fine for them to stay there and never to reach the depth of understanding of what he's going to write in, say, for instance, the book of Hebrews.
2: Nah, nah. I reckon we see that in chapter three that we read just before. He's like, "You aren't ready," but it kind of there's this implication, but you could be or should be. You should be. Yeah. There's Absolutely. actually no reason why you should still be at this point that you're at. Indeed. And then I think he go. I think it goes on to say about like. The reasons why is because you're still holding onto all these things you need to let go of, right? Yes. So like you're holding onto your sinful self rather than to Jesus. Yes. It's a bit of he, he's quite rebuking.
1: In this oh, way. hey, First Corinthians, <laughs> First Corinthians, he does not hold back. No, he does not hold back. It's like you at have all. problems. Ah, uh, they do have. He starts like in verse ten. You know, normally you got like a chapter of introduction saying mm-hmm. nice things, which was the standard method of letter writing in those days. But in this one, he says some nice things. Yeah, the Church of God at Corinth. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Okay, you guys have problems. (laughs) Let me just get straight to the point. Yeah, nice and clear. All right, here we go. So text message coming through. While it's a good thought for a teacher to make himself or herself redundant to the students in the class they are teaching that year, a teacher will always be needed for the new class. A good teacher will always be needed till the close of probation. Absolutely, because once you've made yourself redundant with one class, there's another one coming through. It's (laughs) an animal that demands to be fed every single day and has demanded that since the first day of creation. Yeah. Okay, where are we up to? Uh, Let's continue on from uh, verse 7.
2: No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God, his plan that uh, that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. Keep going. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord.
1: Okay, right there. Let's stop and consider that for a moment. So he's talking about the wisdom and he's talking about depth of knowledge, but it's not the wisdom of this world. Nah. So why did the wisdom of the world crucify Jesus? You know, What what was the threat that they saw in Jesus?
2: It was going to take their power.
1: He's going to take their power. Authority or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And uh, because he was getting too much power, it was like, well, you know, if he gets too much power and too many people follow him, then the Romans are going to get stirred up and they're going to come and destroy our city and our people and all that kind of thing. So we need to do this for our national interest. Mm. Well, they actually destroyed their own people and their own city and got the Romans stirred up anyway without Jesus, despite the fact that Jesus was saying my kingdom is not of this world.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: If my kingdom was of this world, my servants would fight, but it's not of this world. Mm -hmm. it's like no 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 we need to crucify him because you know we need to kill him because uh he's going to you know bring the romans down on top of our heads we don't want that Mm. that was the wisdom of this world but the wisdom that was out of this world was this is the son of god
2: Mm.
1: this is the messiah
2: which is part of that mystery of God aspect, right? That's right. That's talking about.
1: And this is where Paul goes with this because when he talks about that, he introduces the mystery of God. He's actually demonstrating that, okay, I've come to you with some fairly basic stuff,
2: mm.
1: but this is bottomless.
2: Yeah, fully.
1: You know, this is absolutely bottomless. I mean, you think about how many students there are right now who are writing essays around the world in theological or similar degrees. Mm-hmm. And every some every single one of them is discovering something new from the Bible, <laughs> right? Uh
3: huh.
1: Yeah. Now, now think about this. Then think about how many of them were doing it yesterday, and the day before, mm-hmm. and how many new things are being discovered from the Bible today, and were being discovered yesterday and the day before, right? I'm putting this in a university context for you yeah. because this is, you're at and university. You, you. <laughs> you, you, you write these kinds of things. Okay, and then spin that out over the last 2,000 years
3: mm.
1: of people learning and writing and publishing and preaching something new that they've discovered in the Bible. Mm. And how close have we got to finding the depths, to finding the bottom of everything there is to know about the Bible?
2: I reckon you'd need eternity. Actually,
1: absolutely. We haven't even gotten close. Yeah, not at all. We've made a bit of a scratch on the surface for sure. It's been a good scratch, but.
2: Do you ever find this? Anyone, you Lyle, or anyone who's listening, that have a little think, um, the more I feel like I'm learning about who God is, the more I'm like, oh, I don't get it. Like, <laughs> there's so much to this.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you, you know, I think a good example of that is the natural world. Yeah. Because when you study the natural world, the number one thing that you learn is how little you know. Yeah, fully. And the more you learn, the more you realize how little you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a great illustration of God. I think it's a great illustration of the Bible. I think it's a great illustration of who God is and what the Bible is like. You know, the book of nature is called, often referred to as God's second book.
2: Fully. God's first classroom, God's second book.
1: It's First classroom, second mm-hmm. book. And when you, so when you study nature... Anyone who studies the natural world mm. will relate to the fact that the more we learn about the natural world, the biggest lesson we learn is how little we know.
2: Absolutely. Yep.
1: And the Bible is just like that. Yep. The more you learn about the Bible, the more you realise how little you know. Mm.
2: And that the goodness of God just goes so beyond our understanding of what goodness can be. Yes. Because we don't live in a world where there's just pure good. Absolutely. And then you meet Jesus and you're like, oh. You're a different sort of person.
1: <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah, there's so many fantastic things in this chapter. The whole chapter is a great chapter to study through. Um, Paul leads us to a deeper knowledge of Jesus Christ and let's all desire to go there and to do that and to be a part of that today.
4: Measure the temple, the altar, the door. The worshippers bowing, but leave out the court nations will trample it 42 months bathe in the tears of the worshipping ones bathe in the tears of the worshipping ones olive tree's lamps, dance, bearing the light When they end their story the beast ends their lives they die at the hand of this beast from the pit Egypt and Sodom take pleasure in it, and Egypt and Sodom take pleasure in it, but nobody laughs when God's very breath brings the of my heart that no one is laughing now
3: 1260
4: years given to them they both reach their hearts out then come to their end but three and a half years later they stand earthquake and terror come over the land earthquake and terror come over the land Nobody laughs when God's very breath brings those two witnesses back from the dead Nobody laughs about crumbling walls when the city falls Nobody laughs at a powerful God Every name will bow I just pray from this
0: That was the Lesser Light Collective with Nobody Laughs. Welcome back to The Breakfast Show. My name is Liam. We're going to be moving on to... I've mentioned this before, but it is one of my favorite parts of The Breakfast Show purely because it has the best jingle in the world. It is question of the day. And this is going to be... Oh, it's a bit sad. but It's my last time announcing this. But So I've got to really embrace this with as much as I can. I'm going to put everything in it. So without... Any further ado, it is now time for question of the day. Okay, so today's question
2: is, if animals didn't kill each other in Eden and won't kill each other in the the new earth, why did human sin in Eden affect the animal world so that animals kill each other? during the time in between Eden and
1: New Earth. Yeah, kind of if you think, well, the animals didn't really deserve that, did they? Yeah. You know, human beings deserved it. Yeah. They, they should cover it. Why did the animals cover it? Why did plants cover it? You know, why do plants die? You know, why, 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 do, why do we have, uh, why is the whole world affected by the sin of human beings? Mm. Okay, to understand the answer to that question, we have to understand the relationship between human beings and our world. And if you go to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, the Bible says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, After our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So when you put that together right there, human beings were created to be in charge of this planet. This is our territory. Uh, We were made in the image of God. As God rules over the universe, we were to rule over this planet.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Then what did human beings do? Human beings passed their allegiance... From God to Satan. Mm-hmm. And when they passed their allegiance from God to Satan, Satan became the ruler of this world. So now no longer are humans in charge of the planet. Satan is now in charge of the planet. So what do you expect Satan to do? So uh, if you go to, uh, say, for instance, uh, the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 12, verse 31, Jesus says, Now is, uh, sorry, John chapter 14, verse 30, hereafter. I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world comes and has nothing with me. That's Satan. He's called the prince of this world in the Bible. And so when Satan became the prince of this world, then he's in charge. He can do what he wants. What would we expect Satan to do? Would we expect him to not mess with the creation that was under his charge? Of course we would expect him to mess with it, and he has messed with it. And this is why the animal creation has been so negatively affected. You find another great example of this in the book of Job, where the Bible says the sons of God, there came a time when the sons of God gathered together in heaven. Okay, Who are the sons of God that are being mentioned here? Well, it's not the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Mm. It's not the redeemed, because the redeemed are here on this earth. So the sons of God can only be the... Heads of the various races that live in the universe. The Bible says that Adam was the son of God. Not because he's equivalent to Jesus Christ, but because... He was, well, who are you going to list as his biological father? (laughs) You can only list God. And so he was the head of this world. He was the head of the human race, and he was the one who should have been there in heaven as representative of planet Earth. But Satan turns up at that particular council as the representative of planet Earth because he is the prince of this world, Mm. because that allegiance has been passed over to him. And he's like, I'm the one who's in charge of planet Earth, which is when, you know, Prompts God to ask the questions, like, "Okay, if you're in charge of planet, are you in charge of everything down there? You know, mm-hmm. what about Job? Have you considered my servant Job? He doesn't seem to be your servant." <laughs> um, and so you have that long and detailed discussion that takes place as a result of that. And so, very simply, here um, you find that you've got a situation where this world has been corrupted by Satan. Yeah. In becoming prince of this world is like, okay, what can I do to create havoc? Okay, I can do this, I can do that I can do the other And it's interesting how he's done it Because he's done it in such a way That uh, animals hurt and kill and destroy And yet still exist Because if if, if he wiped animals out And they became extinct Then he has no longer the joy of hurting, killing And destroying animals on the planet every day
3: True is harder than a lie The dark seems safer than the light And everyone has a heart that loves to hide I'm a mess and so are you We've built walls nobody can get through Yeah, it may be hard but the best thing Do. bring you your brokenness and I'll break my-
1: Guys, this is Lyle and Minnie. We're not here right now, but we will be very soon.
2: We're going to be back on the fifth, so keep keep listening, stay tuned. We'll be ready. I hope you're ready.
1: And in the meantime, enjoy our best of.
3: You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
1: And I'm Chapo, and we are the hosts of The Marriage Project.
2: We have a lot of fun on The Marriage Project, where we talk about biblical wisdom for marriage, how it translates into real life, and we want to be with you building stronger marriages.
0: So you can join us every Friday afternoon at 3.30pm right here on FaithFN.
3: we
1: Welcome back, everybody. Uh, That was The Marriage Project. No, what was that? That was the ad. I'm reading the ad. The ad was for The Marriage Project. (laughs) That was Marlita Fong with I Have a Friend. This is what happens when you get distracted during the song break. Yes, that's
0: okay, Uh, though. We made
1: it. Yes, indeed. It is time for...
0: Question of the Day.
2: Okay, so the question today is how can we, the body of Christ... Be the temple or sanctuary when the true sanctuary is in heaven.
1: Ooh, good question. Okay, so what we need to do is to look at the purpose for the sanctuary Mm -hmm. because this will help us answer this question. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 25 and verse 8, Let them build me a sanctuary that I may live amongst them. Mm -hmm. So what is the purpose for the sanctuary?
2: Being in God's presence. Place oh, God. for God to live, right? Yeah, absolutely.
1: So if God lives there, mm-hmm. then that's his sanctuary.
2: Hmm.
1: Okay, so here's my question Does God live in heaven? Yes. Yes. Does he have a sanctuary in heaven? Yes. Yes. Does God live in your heart? Yes. Is then your heart a sanctuary for God?
2: Yeah, I'm picking up what you've been down. <laughs> okay, so
1: both of them are God's sanctuary. Yeah. Two, two very different kinds of sanctuary. Mm. Uh, so the Bible says, uh, just in case you're wondering, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and let me see, verse 15. Uh, know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ? No, nope, that's not the one I'm after. Verse 19. What? Know you not? Yeah, it had the same <laughs> same start to it. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Mm. So who does the Bible say lives in your heart in that verse? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit.
2: Mm.
1: Whereabouts does Jesus live? In heaven. Yeah. Okay, so Jesus lives in heaven. The Holy Spirit lives in your heart. Jesus lives in your heart through the Holy Spirit. Mm. The Holy Spirit is everywhere, so he lives in heaven. And so obviously we have a sanctuary in heaven yeah, and we have a sanctuary on earth. And the reason that we've got these two different uh, aspects of the sanctuary, one being the body Mm. and the other being the sanctuary that's in heaven, is because it is showing us that God is omnipresent. Mm. God is in all places at all times, and it is also showing us that God is three. Yeah. Because if God was one and a a being that was restricted by time and place, then God could not be in two places at once. Mm. But because God is three, he can be in more places at once. And so God's Holy Spirit lives in our heart, and Jesus lives in heaven. Mm. And the sanctuary is where God is. Mm. It
2: actually goes quite deeply into yeah, who God is and also what God wants to do in our hearts.
1: Absolutely. And I think the important thing for us is that there well, there's an important message in both.
2: Mm, exactly. Both
1: of these are just as important as each other because it is the sanctuary in heaven where God ministers for us yeah. so that we can be filled mm. with the Holy Spirit here on this earth and become a sanctuary for God Absolutely. in our lives. Without one, you cannot have the other. Both of them just as important as each other. All right, this is uh, Sandra Enderman with Ready for the Storm. You're listening to Faith FM with Lila Mini.
3: The waves crash in, the tide rolls out. It's an angry sea, but there is no doubt that the lighthouse will keep shining out to warn a Sailor, and the lightning strikes and the wind cuts cold through the sailor's bones, through the sailor's soul, till there's nothing left that he can hold except a rolling ocean. Oh, I am ready for the storm! Yes, sir, ready. I am ready for the storm. I'm ready for the storm. Da-da-da-da. Give me mercy for my dreams Cause every confrontation seems to tell me What it really means to be this lonely sailor And when the sky begins to clear The sun, it melts away my tears And I cry a silent weary tear For those who mean to love me Oh, I am ready for the storm Yes, already I am Ready for the storm. I'm ready for the storm. The distance it is no real friend. And time will take its time, and you will find it in the end, it brings you me, this lonely sailor. And when you take me by. I am ready for the storm. Yes, I'm ready. I am ready for the storm. Yes, I'm ready. I
0: Welcome back guys that was Sandra Entman with Ready for the Storm. Unfortunately, we've reached the end of our show. This is this is a little bit of sad news but this is actually my very last show here at Faith FM. I'm moving uh, to Brisbane. I uh, heading up north to to Queensland. So look, I'll miss being here, I'll miss being with you guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for all of uh, the encouragement that you've given throughout the past year. It's been an absolutely wild journey and I've loved every second of it and you know, Lyle and and Minnie, they're going to continue to to do a a great, fantastic job this year and and whoever they've got coming in for the producer role. Tomorrow, um, I believe you're going to have Minnie and a guest guest surprise co-host. So get ready for that. But as I said at the start of the show, we are back to live shows tomorrow. So get ready for that. Get excited. It's going to be very, very good. And it's going to be a really good time. And I'm just, I'm, I know you guys are absolutely going to love it, and yeah, I just, I just really think that it, this year is going to be a brand new year. Last year, yeah, look, we all know it was a bit rough, but we're gonna we're gonna press on. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do our best, and we're just gonna we're gonna press on and hope for a next uh, a, another fantastic year, as with have been previous years. Maybe not so much last year, but it's this year is it's going to be a winner. I've just got a feeling we're going to love it. It's going to be great. So. Yeah, no, but thank you very much for everything, guys. And it's—I it, guess it's my turn to sign off, isn't it? So, what I'd like to remind you guys to do is—is is as you go throughout your day, remember to to study your Bible, to to trust in Jesus, to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and of course, you will go strong in Jesus Christ. Thanks, guys. Bye for
3: now. God be with. you. Guide up for you with the sheep securely fold you
5: As long as it takes for a song to make sad, heavy spirits free. I'm going to keep making music that carries the secret that- Dentist, of foggy night. And a tune is the rope that can throw a man hope when he's going down for the third time. It's a sweet melody that can cut your heart free from the chains of a past defeat. You can suddenly see through the sweet harmony a path for your wandering feet. I'm gonna sing just as long as it takes for a song to make sad heavy spirits free. I'm going to keep making music that carries the secret that Jesus is liberty. I'm going to turn off the sounds that would drag people down to the pit of bitter sea. With a sweet happy tune, he is coming soon for his children like you and me. Don't tell me the world is a hopeless old place and I might as well just give in. To the doom and gloom, life's a waiting room For the blow that'll do us all in I can't sympathize when before my eyes Is a hope shining bright as day I gotta follow the song that keeps drawing me on With my feet dancing all the way I'm gonna sing just as long as it takes For a song to make sad heavy music that carries the secret that jesus is liberty i'm gonna turn off the sounds that would drag people down to the pit of despondency with a sweet happy tune he is coming soon for his children like you and me yeah with a sweet happy tune he is coming soon for his children like you Free. I'm gonna keep making music that carries the secret that Jesus is liberty. I'm gonna turn off the sounds that would drag people down to the pit of despondency.